Hello, everyone. GM, GM. I'm Nick, and welcome to the Sulfate Podcast, where we have conversations with builders and founders in not just the Solana ecosystem. Say, we uh, we had Matt from Thesis and Threshold Network. He's a he's a diehard Bitcoiner, I guess. To, to I say with the friendliest of terms, but we had a great conversation about Bitcoin of all things on this podcast, and and how Threshold TBTC is kind of like doing, and, and how that works, and. It was, it was a great conversation. I learned so much about Bitcoin. It was such a good conversation. I like for the, for the listeners, we literally just finished. Like sometimes there's a fair amount of time between the interview and when we record these yeah. intros, but we literally just got off the call with, with Matt and I'm still like kind of buzzing with excitement. Pondering from, from it all. The, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, look, it was, it was really fascinating just for, for everyone. It's like, we talked about threshold network, which is basically a network that allows for uh, decentralized bridging from from Bitcoin to to other networks. I, I don't know all the networks that are supported, but Ethereum and Solana recently, you can mm-hmm. get TBTC uh, right away with like Jupiter, Jupiter, Jupiter right just now, like, any, wanted, yeah, just yeah. like any anything that you're already using. Um, so definitely, I, I think I you know I mentioned this at the end of the episode. I'm going to be looking into Threshold and probably picking yeah. up some TBTC. So do your own research. Not sponsored or anything, to be clear. Advice. James is just like, I'm just, hmm, maybe I might I'm actually just do super, this. I'm just super <laughs> stoked, right? It's like, I'm absolutely yeah. a Solana Maxi. I think that's where we're going to, uh, that's the network where I see most utility and sort of most, most uh, future for like various product market fits. But in the same way that I, you know, it's, it's smart to invest in various asset classes. I definitely see a future where Bitcoin is still a, a digital store of value. You know, um, Nick, Came into and the I conversation disagreeing. Didn't have that. I don't like, know where he's at fence, now. But he's a little. <laughs> neither do I. <clears throat> You're more. Open I, to I it. flat out asked Matt of of effectively why Bitcoin and like I don't personally. I'll say I don't personally believe in Bitcoin as like a long term thing uh, for a couple of reasons, which we talk about in the episode. And and Matt actually does, does a phenomenal job of addressing my concerns and and. I think probably giving the best possible response that I, I could have gotten. Because it wasn't it. like a pushback of like, how dare you sort of thing. It was like, those are concerns. Here's here's why some of them are good. Some of them are bad. And here's why I don't worry about it, which was yeah. the best possible answer I could have hoped for. I, I will I will admit, like some of my excitement may be less about the tech and more than I'm smitten with Matt and his intellect. Yeah, it was you great. Know? Like, is he, like your, he just, is he your new favorite person in the Bitcoin community? He, is that what you're going to say? Uh, he might just be my new favorite person, man. Like this is, I don't know. It's, uh, no, he... It, Vote it, of uh, confidence. <laughs> well, it was, it, re- it really was cool. Uh, he is, he is a wealth of great. knowledge. He's been doing, he's been, I think he said he wrote his first line of Bitcoin code in 2013. Right. So it's yeah, like he's been, been using Bitcoin since before that, but he's been, been sort of developing products uh, in the crypto ecosystem since, you know, before some of our listeners were born. Um, that's not, that's actually not, probably just, not true. Hopefully. Just, but, uh, <laughs> maybe. I don't know. Find out. Was, that was just a comment on like the age <laughs> of the average crypto user. <laughs> um, anyway, super great combo. I definitely worth listening in. If if we can, we're gonna have him back because I there's so much yeah, I want to talk to him back. about. He was a wealth of knowledge. But uh, right. we've we've beat around the bush enough. Let's let's get to the episode. Let's do it. Let's get after it. I, I like team sizes that you're used to, James. So like I, I like small teams. Um, I think that most interesting work gets done on small teams. Um, so way back when I uh, I started a company uh, called Fold in 2014, 
and it's uh, today it's a Bitcoin back uh, rewards company. Um, since then, we just sort of kept launching things. Uh, so we launched uh, the Keep Network, uh, TBTC, uh, Dex called Saddle, um, and a wallet project called Tahoe. And um, you know, I think if I know anything about myself, it's that I like small teams and new ideas. And uh, you know, when you're running something for too long, I feel like you get not tired, but just sort of rigid in your views. And, um, and so I think the biggest thing for me in our space was uh, when I found Bitcoin and then I realized that Bitcoin couldn't do everything. Um, and once I had that realization, the first time I told myself I wouldn't ever get stuck on another chain where I was just confident that this tech is the tech, you know, and um, yeah, so, so that's, that's a bit about me. I guess the way that I found Bitcoin was because I needed it, which I think is pretty different from a lot of people lately. Um, I was deplatformed by uh, PayPal at the time um, when the thing that became full was just sort of a side project and how I was paying rent. And um, I was buying and selling gift cards and uh, doing like a pretty decent business. And then PayPal was like, hey, that's great finance and, and you're shut down. And I had never even heard the term. Uh, I had started like what is deplatforming? Like, what is this? Great finance. What are you talking about? And uh, and so I went to find another um, like payment partner. And this was like gosh, twenty. This was end of twenty thirteen. And uh, so there wasn't like we didn't have all the options we have today, where you could just bounce between thirty um, Stripe clones. And so um, yeah, so I found Bitcoin, and I think everything else has just sort of been a. a I don't know, not a function, but just like a kind of like a continuation of that journey, if that makes sense. So, yeah. Michael, when when did you? Um, I mean, you li- you just listed off a, yeah, a bunch, bunch of stuff of that you guys that times, you guys yeah. have have built. So, I'm curious, like, what when did you start building um, in in the crypto space? And I kind of want to dig into that realization that you you know yeah. not glossed over, but mentioned very briefly of kind of realizing that like, Oh, maybe yeah. this isn't everything and I don't want to get stuck and be overly dogmatic. I'd yeah. love to chat about that. Cause that's yeah, of course. sort of human motivation. I I'm fascinated by. So I, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Um, that. yeah. So, so I would say my first line of crypto code that I wrote was, um, I want to say like November or December, 2013 was when I first started really digging into it. And, you know, at that point, you know, it was people building applications on top of Bitcoin. So you could, folks would like launch various forks and most of them were nonsense. Um, you know, every once in a while a chain would offer something, but unlike today where, um, well, actually this problem still exists. If you go down CMC, like if you're looking at CoinMarketCap and you're like, what is legitimate? Um, it is very difficult, especially if you're not like deep in the space. Like all of us will have opinions on this tech or that tech or this team or that team or whether they're credible or, or you know, whatever. But, <clears throat> um, but back in the day, uh, you know, it was much easier to just say none of it, none of it, but Bitcoin, uh, because most of it was not an honest effort. Um, you know, mostly, I mean, this is again, true today. Um, mostly you've got a lot of scams and, and fly by not operations and stuff like that. <clears throat> so, I mean, I'm sure we're going to get into it, but when we start talking about any sort of maximalism or, or like asset allegiance, one of my just, I think pragmatic arguments is when you try to explain to people outside the space, what is this? <laughs> Like, you know, and, and what they're going to see first, unfortunately, are price tickers, right? They're not going to, uh, what we want their first experience to be is like a life-changing experience with a tool or a piece of tech, right? But a lot of the time they just see tickers 
and and then you have to explain to them like what's good and what's bad and why and, and all this nuance and it's like you know do i expect your average um I don't know, like money box or whatever, like random stock picker or like random person who's just trying to like have a, like a small hobby to learn all that stuff. No. Um, so it's pretty easy to just say, well, you know, this is Bitcoin and you probably can't go wrong with this. And then everything else is a lot more complicated. Uh, but anyway, sorry, getting back to motivations, not jumping too far ahead. Um, yeah. So, so I was, I was deplatformed um, and, and started writing Bitcoin application code uh, into 2013. And, um, you know, I went through the whole um, block size debate on Bitcoin and, and fold. We built a, a reasonably sized business, but ultimately it was a payments business. And, you know, the whole uh, block size debate back in the day was really about, like, what is the purpose of this chain? What is the value, you know, of censorship resistance of a decentralized network? Um when should there be trade-offs? When shouldn't there be trade-offs? What are, what are we dogmatic about? And I was on the wrong side. I was on the losing side. I, um, I was a pro um, Bitcoin Classic was one of the forks way back in the day. And I was pro all these sort of minority forks. But when it came time, um, like the final showdown for, for Bitcoin Cash, uh, what eventually became Bitcoin Cash. So this was like the Segwit2x movement that eventually led to Roger Burr and, and his folks starting Bitcoin Cash. Um, it suddenly became um, big corporate. So all of these Bitcoin related companies were in a room trying to force a hard fork. And um, this was the first one I wasn't invited to. And so, I mean, obviously, okay, yeah, my ego, sure, whatever. But, but also it was like, oh, holy shit, like I'm not in the group that is trying to make the decision. And, um, and then I kind of had this realization, like why is there a group uh, making a decision like this. So, so that for me was the big stunning thing with Bitcoin where I, I you know, I had to kind of have an about face. Okay. This network doesn't want to be about payments. doesn't really want to be about technology. It just wants to be about fuck you money. It wants to be about, you can't take my Bitcoin. This is what I'm burying in the ground money and everything that weakens that it, it views as a threat first. And, um, and if I want to do things that are interesting, because I'm an engineer and an entrepreneur, um, I should probably go someplace where that's not their first response, is to think that you're attacking them. Um, so that's what led me to um, to playing with Ethereum and then uh, Zcash and Solana and a bunch of other chains since then, is, um, you know, this realization that, like, you know, I wasn't in the room, but if we're really trying to challenge the Fed and if we're really trying to challenge various three-letter agencies... There really shouldn't be a room. And that doesn't mean that there shouldn't be for every chain, but it does mean that there shouldn't be for this one. Um, so, yeah, so, so I mean, I think, you know, sometimes things happen in your life where it's like, I've learned a thing and I'm not going to forget it. And, uh, and, and that was the one for Bitcoin. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I, will, I, will, I will constantly push for its relevance as an asset. Um, but as a technology, I know that while I don't think it's totally finished, um, you know, if I stand up all ego and say, I have the new direction that is going to get shouted down immediately. Um, I can build on it and around it, but, um, it's quite difficult to, to get something slipped into the code base. And I think that that's, I think that's really great to prevent capture, but, uh, when you're building new things, it's really frustrating. Yeah, that's, that's super interesting. It, it sounds like from every 
perspective that I have from the outside looking in. Like I'm not one with the Bitcoin community. Yeah, like sure. I don't, I don't hold Bitcoin. I know very little about it. I, I mined it back in high school. Um, nice. So 10, 15 years ago, yeah. mined it on a laptop when it was like still that new. Oh yeah. Um, I lost, I lost that laptop. That's usually how it goes. Um, yeah. I was waiting for, <laughs> I was waiting for the rest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but like from, from the outside looking in, it sounds like you have very stark differences in, in direction and opinions on like what the Bitcoin network should do or Bitcoin, the asset should be able to accomplish. Like every, for the most part, at least anecdotally, a lot of the opinions and statements I hear from diehard Bitcoiners is that we don't want to change anything. It is gold. It is, you know, this and that, and we don't want to change. So it's, it's very surprising to me, especially since how long it seems like you've been in blockchain and you've been in the, the Bitcoin ecosystem that you very much don't have that opinion, which I find incredibly fascinated. You are by far in the minority. Um, it yeah, seems. Yeah, so yeah. I mean, I'm look, curious about yeah. like your thoughts and like being in that minority of, Bitcoiner opinion, I guess. Yeah, so it's a, it's a, it's a tough it's a tough space um, because my particular position, at least starting in 2020, I got to get shouted at for both sides. Since then, it's become a bit more nuanced and like. Um, but but I guess to start, I'll say most of the like broad generalizations we make about Bitcoin culture aren't true. Um, I mean, I can talk about. Don't get me wrong. I can talk about. I mean, that's also true about most blockchain. <laughs> well, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. I <laughs> the mean, media I, does a great job. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean, but but even but even it, you know, if we're all talking about each other and we all have like our various names for each other and we all have our little religious differences, um, but I think Bitcoin, in some ways, even more so. And the reason is because Bitcoin has this huge silent majority of holders that don't know a single thing about anything but Bitcoin. <laughs> So like, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know, Mad Men, that Don Draper bit uh, in the elevator where he's like, what? I, I don't think of you at all. Like a, a lot of these people, it's not that Bitcoin, uh, well, I mean, Bitcoin can't think as far as I know, but it's not that Bitcoin doesn't doesn't think of the rest of our work. It's that there, there are a lot of people who they just, um, they, they view this from a right economic perspective. And the technology is either all crypto is Bitcoin and they don't care to distinguish, or they think the tech is irrelevant. Um, so this is where you get into, um, like Michael Saylor, which to be clear, I'm not a fan of, of most of his positions. I think he, he, if you listen to a lot of his stuff, he sounds kind of authoritarian and like a bit of a government bootlicker to me, frankly. And, um, you know, much respect for the business he's built, but like, I'm not in this space to make things easier, you know, for the government to, to govern. I'm in this space for freedom. Right. Anyway. Um, the reason I sell this is a lot of Bitcoiners and a lot of people that hold Bitcoin who maybe don't even know if they're Bitcoiners don't know anything about the rest of these chains. Um, they don't care about stake. They don't care about uh, laser eyes. They've never heard anyone rant about time preference. Um, but what they've seen is they've said, okay, uh, I've seen this sort of like uh, caprice of a, of a human-led um, reserve currency, and I'm interested in buying into an alternative. And that's it. They have all different reasons for doing that. Um but that's like mostly like, you know, if you talk about money crypto versus tech crypto, most of what we're going to talk about here and be comfortable with, frankly, is going to be tech crypto. And these people are money crypto and they don't they don't really know the rest. Um, so, yeah. So, yes, I get shouted out on both sides. I, uh, I went to one big event and um, finally broke with some of my old friends and said, you know, eventually Bitcoin's going to need a tail mission. And yeah, it's not that's not a popular thing to say. Um, 
I don't I don't think that you know even if we never upgrade Bitcoin again, I do expect that we'll eventually find another bug that needs emergency coordination. Um, but yeah, I mean, as far as looking at it from a tech perspective, though. So again, uh, have an engineering background. That's 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 what I do. I think that the, the money story is really clear on the tech side. There is something valuable to something that just keeps running, and it's just going to keep running, and you're not going to take it down. And I suspect it survives a nuclear attack, and I suspect it survives multiple countries pulling a great firewall. Um, I don't feel that way about most of the chains I work on. Um, I'm you know I don't know until we see. You know the big like BGP like routing attacks and stuff like I don't know. But yeah, I, until but those I, big things happen, there's, right, there's no way to know. Unfortunately, right, right. But it's or just, fortunately, I guess. Right, depending exactly. <laughs> but that kind of that that actually that's a that's a you're, you're kind of honing in on doomerism versus techno optimism. And I think that a, a lot of a lot of the stuff that Bitcoin brings to the table, it's about mitigating downside. And a lot of stuff that we're doing on Solana on Ethereum, it's about building the new world of finance, new ownership, uh, new paradigms. And so I just, you know, you, you need both. Um, yeah. So, I, to, oh. and, and I really want to talk about, oh, snuck in there, James. Um, I, I do really want to talk about the, the, the cross-chain bridge that you have that seems like it's effectively wholly focused on Bitcoin at like the root layer. It's, uh, effectively transmitting Bitcoin back and forth between different chains, which is, is very interesting to me. But I, I'm going to get to that that controversial opinion that James was mentioning earlier. So I have a, a very strong opinion of Bitcoin where it's effectively, th the shortest way I can phrase it is that I don't believe in Bitcoin in the long term. And it's for, it's for one big reason. And, this, and to be clear, uh, this reason is not a like chain maximalism type thing, I think it's probably an understanding where it's just like, I don't have the understanding of how Bitcoin works. So because of my current understanding, which is very little, to be honest, like I'll, I'll be clear, disclaimer there. Um, More than most people, maybe less than well, some people. <laughs> sure. Well, which is why I think having having this conversation with you, Matt, I think is going to be very interesting. So let me let me lay out my position here. I... Based off what I know about Bitcoin and it effectively with that common opinion that Bitcoin will always be proof of work, you and like the halvenings and how those kind of work at a high level, that's basically the only depth that I have, is that with the amount with the immense amount of energy consumption that it takes to mine Bitcoin, Bitcoin miners are only incentivized for two reasons. One, they have a massive bag of Bitcoin already, and two, they are really hoping the coin price goes up, the token price goes up, which like, you know, to be fair, like I can get behind those. Like if those are the motivations, then great. But if the token price doesn't go up to the point where it makes sense to mine it and cost-effective electricity, it's not going to be cost-effective for people to run these unless they have a sizable enough investment already in where it's, it's, it's a better position to keep burning some money to try to keep it alive because you have a bunch of it already. But it's like newcomers aren't going to come in and participate because that doesn't make sense. And then when the when if token price doesn't continue to go up enough to offset that cost, then people are going to stop mining. And when miners stop mining, then you're not processing blocks. You can't send it anywhere. And then what's the point? Like you just have a theoretical balance of tokens that you can't send because no one is mining or there's like one or two miners, which like defeats the purpose of Bitcoin, right? The The purpose and the goal is to be 
decentralized and censorship resistant, which wholeheartedly get behind that. So like that's that's the stance that I have based off the information and my understanding. Sure. So I would love to hear your thoughts on that. Yeah. Can I can um, I summarize your position, Nick, before before the report? Absolutely. <laughs> right? You basically feel like it becomes economically infeasible to run the network at some point. Yes. Right? Okay, so, so, you get, so you're saying we think future value drops because the network stops. Matt, I'd love to hear your rebuttal because I just feel it bubbling. I, I, I love that you're assuming it's a rebuttal. So thank you for that. I don't know that I will though. Okay. Uh, that's no, yeah. that's Ooh, great. Plot no, no. So so look, um, a lot of my a lot of my argument and experience with Bitcoin um, is realizing that uh, the most important thing is and, and I don't mean to sound like David Hoffman here because I disagree with him about a lot of stuff. But like oh there is a a lot of it is the meme. Like so anyway, let's go. Let's get very specific, though. So, like, I like to summarize this discussion as the security budget. This is the security budget discussion, right? So, look, if uh, if Bitcoin's not economic to mine, then uh, miners drop off, and uh, difficulty adjusts, and eventually it starts to become economic to mine. Um, and then the Bitcoin price picks up, and then you have this delta. I'll tell you that most miners I've met are not sitting on a big stash of Bitcoin. There's they're Bitcoin aligned, but a lot of them they do have to sell. They sell every month a lot, most of what they earn, to cover their operating to expenses. To cover, like, their costs. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you look at the thing that they're most aligned in in terms of capital expenses, they're most aligned with miners. So, like, physical hardware. Um, you know... Uh, Meaning and, aligned with selling and buying of hardware. Like, I mean, they literally spent the hundreds of thousands or millions of dollars on particular pieces of hardware. And, and, and what they're incentivized to do is to get as much from that as they can. So some of them start with a bunch of Bitcoin for whatever historical reasons, and that's why they're aligned. But most of them that I've seen, um, you know, the balance sheet is, is USD, and, um, and they don't want Bitcoin to die because it's the golden goose over the next 10 years of their business. <clears throat> but, um, but we saw time and again, and this is what we kind of learned uh, as, the, as the block size debate went on, is that like Bitcoin miners are not necessarily perfectly aligned with the network. Um, they're aligned with a very particular piece of the network. So, so like, yeah, let's play, let's play your thought out. Um, so for the most part, we've seen that when um, price action doesn't work out the way we want, this is why we have difficulty adjustment. And um, you know, miners come and miners go, and that's okay. Can, can you talk about that and like what yeah. that means? Yeah, I, yeah. I definitely don't know. Yeah, uh, sure. So, so here's like a quick, a quick overview. Um, so basically the idea is that if you have a, a particular hash power at a particular moment and the price doubles, what you're going to expect is that anyone with extra hardware is going to turn their hardware on because it went from non-economic to economic suddenly for this like group. And maybe it's marginal or maybe it's large to turn on their hardware. So then you're going to see difficulty spike and there's a two week, uh, called a difficulty retargeting period where difficulty will change. And then suddenly you have to submit more hash power. Um, you know, so that's submit some time. You have to have more hash power basically to make the same as you would have an epoch before. And, um, and so there's just a, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a beautiful mechanism. And honestly, we use it throughout smart contract languages and DEXs and all sorts of designs elsewhere. This kind of like one-sided market adjustment of like, okay, well, there's less people here, so let's make it easier so there can be more. There's more. Let's let's make it easier. 
And the difference between Bitcoin and proof of work and a lot of the stuff that we do in various types of designs and whatnot is civil resistant, right? Because we're talking about something you can verify on chain. We're talking about something that's almost a physical property of the universe or like a function of it, which is just like, do you have the hardware and do you have the power and how much? And that's it. Um, so what I love about that is that that is objective in a way that no proof of stake system can be. You can stop all electricity, you know, in the world and stop Bitcoin mining and it can be restarted in an objective way versus proof of stake. You know, there's all sorts of various subjectivity attacks and issues. So there's something really beautiful about proof of work. Now, let's go a little further with Bitcoin in particular. Um, so I'm going to skip over all the environmental stuff. Um, honestly, if you really want a good treatment of that, I suggest reading some of Nick Carter's work on it. Um, he slays most of the like Bitcoin is bad for the environment arguments. Um, and he does it with like a style that I just don't have. But um, but I will say that then you look at the having, And this is where like I can't do any mental backflips out of this. So you have a security budget that is miners earning a subsidy. And that security budget um, cuts in half roughly every four years. We have another one coming up roughly in April of 24. And every time that happens, that means that, you know, all else being equal, you would expect that the hash power uh, would diminish. But on the flip side, it's, it, all else is not equal. If the supply that's going out goes down, there's some assumption that if buy pressure is constant, uh, that the price will go up and that that will make up for it. <coughs> but obviously, talking about something that's constantly having, uh, which is implying to some people implies constant 2xing of the price. Uh, that doesn't sound like a long-term sustainable situation to me. I'm not saying that it won't, uh, that it will be an issue next having and having after and having after. I don't, I don't know when, but clearly, you know, your curve shapes up like a J and, and, and that doesn't happen forever in nature. Eventually you hit some limit and it stops. Yeah. It's um, asymptotic. Effectively. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you, so you would expect like, and you know, maybe that limit is, you know, $10 million a coin. I'm not even doing GDP math. That may be just totally, you know, unreasonable or, or maybe, I mean, or maybe it's 10 million because USD hyperinflated. I don't know. But at some point there's some value, right? Where havings can't just continuously increase the value of Bitcoin forever. And so then you're like, okay, well, for miners to keep mining, you would expect that they have to have, um, and Bitcoin is just like to refer to this as a, as a mature fee market. So mature fee market means there needs to be so much activity going on in the network that um, miners are making enough money that the having sub the, the, the subsidy doesn't matter. The block subsidy is no longer relevant. And, um, and that's this like state of equilibrium. So here's what I've seen uh, with this. What I've seen is that um, the fee markets that we've seen have been very spiky. Um, ordinals has been very good from, for the Bitcoin network. So it's just like whether or not you like weird Bitcoin NFT analogies <laughs> or whatever, whether or not you have like pulled up spare wallet or screwed with, with uh, you know, the, the live collections there. Um, yeah, you, you uh, it, it's been good because people actually were paying money to get in the block. And if you look at, uh, if you look at Solana or Ethereum or, or really any other chain with like significant economic activity, um, you know, people want to pay to be first in line. People want to pay to have order flow. They want to pay because there's an economic edge to have there. And so the fee market heats up. But in Bitcoin, we really haven't seen that outside of uh, this recent spike due to ordinals. So, so my thought is, yes, eventually, um, 
this isn't sustainable. I have no idea when. Uh, and a lot of people will laugh and call me an idiot and they'll say it'll be in a hundred years. And I think uh, I'm fine with waiting until it's a problem. Personally, I have no problem with waiting until we're like, Oh, this is an issue and the network is unstable. But, um, you know, and I, I definitely see why folks don't want to change anything until then. But, but my, my thought would be eventually um, you need a couple things. You need a tail emission. So that there's always some base reason for miners to mine. And then you need something that burns Bitcoin somewhere and that makes up for that tail emission. Otherwise, that 21 million coin, you know, idea, uh, it, it becomes like a meme, not in like the big religious sense, but in the pathetic Internet sense. And, um, <laughs> you know, so anyway, all this to say, I mean, I'm talking tech and I'm talking tech, but the reason that I don't worry about this stuff I, I think that intellectually, to be honest, you, you need to be able to say all of those things. But the reason I don't worry is that the most important thing Bitcoin has done to me is it's created a distributed religion, um, trying to create a significant change in the world. And um, different people will all say different things about the change it's trying to create. But I think that if all of crypto were to be rational, and we were all to come together and cooperate, uh, what would those changes be? They would be... Uh, more individual liberty. They would be moving to a pro programmatic version of money. Um, they would be, um, you know, self-custodial. Um, you know, you, you can't touch my savings unless I let you. Um, they would be pro-free speech. Um, and I, and I, so I think that, like, those are some of the underlying things across all the crypto. And I think that if, if what Bitcoin is is a religion that can successfully take on the Fed, I'm thrilled. Um, but this is the reason that I'm the most, you know, people love to like crow about the happening um, or the flip, sorry, the flipping, excuse me, uh, and, and, and garbage like that. And I'm just like, you, you don't know what you're asking for because you want a religion right now until we're winning. That's when we should all fight over the spoils. Um, yeah. So that's how I kind of look at it. That uh, I love it. That was that was super interesting. Both because you talked about a lot of things that I'm not super familiar with, and and also Same, be yeah. also I, I think su summarizing it with like you want a religion, and we shouldn't be fighting over the spoils until until we have them, right? Uh, totally totally agree with that. Also, I just want to point out like I was kind of uh, passively passively optimistic about Bitcoin to to this point, right? Like I don't I don't put a lot of energy into into Bitcoin understanding no pun how intended. it works. Uh, yeah, no, no pun intended. Um, <laughs> but but uh, just hearing you talk about it made me think, oh wow, there's there's a lot of depth here that I that I should explore, right? Um, and yeah, and, ho and hopefully some listeners feel feel the same, right? Because they're uh, I can I can tell just from the way that you're talking about it, uh, you are you are an expert. You are not just like like you are you are not just spouting what other people have spouted like you you are talking from firsthand experience and understanding of of um of what's happening i still get rusty and, though and, I still, and I, I, I'm, I, I'm in a mystery i still get rusty on the details i mean that, look i i appreciate your modesty doesn't, though, you know? i'm sure like we're, we all we all do but i don't know that i've ever had a, a personal conversation with with someone who's who's been able to speak um at at the level of depth that you even just did. And I'm sure you could go so much, so much deeper. Like you, like you could be, you could be a lot more, uh, we could, we could get a lot more technical. 
And so, and so what, what that has done for me is sort of expose my lack of, of knowledge. And I knew there was plenty of lack of knowledge, but it's like, you've exposed it in a way that got me interested, not in a way that turned me off from it. So, 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 um, and I love that you brought up a couple of like recommendations for, for, you know, things we should read and people we should look into. We should make note of that, Nick, in, in the show notes. Yeah. We'll try Um, to add some of those to the show notes for sure. Because I think that would be really great for, for listeners. I, I would love to, um, I want to summarize a couple of things here. I'm not going to summarize everything you said because I didn't understand a, a fair amount of it because, you know, but Nick brought up some points. You, uh, wonderfully rebutted some of them. You agreed with others, but you also summarized why the points you agreed with don't have you worried. And so that's kind of what I want to summarize is, is, you you sort of alluded to the fact that you're not too worried about the network stopping the way that Nick was because there are already sort of uh, mechanisms baked in to to change the the mining incentives based yep. on the amount of mining happening. That's yep. that's essentially what I heard. Like I'm trying to put this in as layman's terms as, as no, possible. You got, I mean, look, right? to, just to, to put a point on it, um, if the bad thing happens, it won't be sudden. Yeah, and we'll have a lot of time. Um, yeah, the the only okay. the that, only that sort is good of, to know for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, the the only sort of like suddenness that you would expect from Bitcoin difficulty is it, it is if there were like widespread nuclear war or maybe earthquakes, natural disasters in multiple countries where yeah. suddenly um, difficulty took a longer time to adjust. But yeah, for the most part, concerns the are valid. Twenty twelve prophecy. It'll be slow. Yes, exactly, exactly. And and there's a there's another point you made that I don't know that you were even trying to make um, explicitly. But um, I I think a lot of us who skipped the Bitcoin stage, right? Those of us like myself who got into to crypto later late enough that we could do that, right? We jump straight into something like Ethereum or Solana or or even newer chains. Um, we might have this archaic view of Bitcoin that doesn't involve upgrading the network, right? And you mentioned a few times, right? Court coordination to modify the network. And, and so it's like, while I think I kind of knew that was a possibility in the back of my mind, also, I think a, I, I think a lot of people don't even hold that as a possibility. They think of Bitcoin as a static, unchangeable thing. Um, and I think especially a lot of people who their familiarity with crypto is maybe only Solana. They've gotten, we like Solana has gotten attacked so many times for uh, making changes to the network. Um, even though it's in a decentralized manner and it, and it's sort of positive technological change, but this is I think why. they view the I think they view the rest of the crypto world as like as they're not doing anything and yeah. they just want things to be the same forever. And this so is, I, I, yeah. I want to really yes. point out that like yes, we can make changes and we can solve the problem as it's coming, and that's that's sort of what that's you're right. alluding to. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's great. To, to look to your point, especially this is why you know earlier I told you I kind of had this like change of mindset that's continued. This is why you won't ever find me dunking on Solana because of a, you know, like, oh, there's a new, you know, something was mispriced here or there's DOS here. Because as long as we have Bitcoin, this is like a big caveat. As long as we have Bitcoin, there's this wide space for us to explore. And I mean, yes, we are fragmenting our crypto economy by having all these different chains. So like there's a cost to liquidity and a a cost um, to that but it means that we all get to like sort of like have these like sovereign experiences and you can opt into what is the philosophy of this chain 
if we don't have Bitcoin, suddenly it's like, um, you know, uh, you know, gravity got turned off. Like suddenly there isn't that chain that we're so confident isn't going to change. And, and everything becomes really kind of subjective and messy. And, uh, and, you know, obviously like, uh, a lot of, a lot of people hate that I'm saying, well, this thing was first and it has Lindy, uh, Lindy effect and that matters. But having one chain that has that means that we have other chains that can, can experiment along the spectrum, um, more because you have a base level of comparison. Exactly. Like this, exactly. This is this is working for all intents and yeah. purposes. Like this is working now, and and let's let's experiment in different ways and, and see how how those experiments go out. Exactly. Like, it's I mean, it's not need, too dis. Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go oh, ahead. You're, no, you're good, James. I just want to say it's not too dissimilar. Like it's not too dissimilar from saying I have a an investment portfolio where I'm going to have a, a chunk of this that's very stable, maybe yes. lower yield but lower risk. While also saying I'm going to throw some money into venture capital and I might never see it again, right. but like the, that's the point. It's high risk, high reward. We're yes. going to play with You're new ideas. <laughs> yeah, real estate, and, and, real estate and treasury is over here, and, and no, uh, you it, know weird weird stuff over in the it, other. It, 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 yeah. ex- exactly, and when I argue with Nick about Bitcoin, that's that's effectively the argument I'm making. Is is like. Um, in the same way that various investment, uh, varied asset classes serve different purposes, I think we can have different crypto networks that that serve different purposes. And I and I, you know, people yeah, often agreed. make the analogy to uh, like uh, the the parallel between Bitcoin and and gold. And I'm not necessarily saying that is or is not a, a great analogy, but people make that analogy. I don't personally derive any utility from gold, and yet I. Also believe that gold is going to continue to keep pace with inflation over a long enough time horizon, right? I can believe both the, both those things, and so similarly, I can I can have less interest in Bitcoin and also believe that it is going to uh, continue to rise in 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 price and and serve as like this digital uh, asset that that maintains value. For sure, and I mean, I think I think one day it's possible that there's a. You know, some people would think it's a reckoning. Other people just think it's a whatever. Like at some point, the crypto economy grows large enough where you have to question. And this is the part again where I become heterodox and a bunch of friends yell at me. It's like at some at some size, you would expect, right, that um, you know, gold isn't the thing. Like gold is a thing, but it's not the thing. It's definitely not the number one thing. But um, you know, now now this is where it starts to get personal for me, though. Um, I just like Bitcoin a lot. And I think a lot of the time, the first asset you really get to play with, except from the tech, like that first it's a special place in your heart. Right, it does. And, <laughs> and it's like, you know, and that's like both like kind of silly and also like, I don't know, why do we make it's all truth. sorts it's of choices? It's the truth, right. absolutely. Why do we make like, all sorts of choices? Yeah. Yeah. People always have a, a, a personal preference for, their, yeah. for whatever their first thing, first experience in like a particular yeah. thing is. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think for me, it's like my my favorite outcome would be that Bitcoin can stay the currency of the space because we make it useful and we keep and, 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 and we keep it up to date. Um, but I think that if you look at that, it kind of goes two ways, right? So if you're like a like a DeFi person or an NFT person or um, you know whatever the next thing uh, we talk about is, I think there's like a like oh I I want access to Bitcoin. I want access to all that capital. I want more collateral in my system. I want more users. I want more attention. Um, and there's a version of that view that's like Bitcoin needs to be helped along. And maybe this is like a crutches for Bitcoin or a life raft in the most intense version for Bitcoin. And I don't know which of those um, is going to turn out to be the truth. 
but I do know that. Well, let's, uh, yeah. let's let, let's take that as the perfect segue to talk about Threshold Network, like yeah. Threshold and, and TBTC. That's a perfect segue. Sure. I, I'll assume you didn't set that up perfectly, but let's go with it. Um, <laughs> let, let's talk about for the, Threshold. For the like, listeners what is... <laughs> who aren't watching the video, we got a perfect subtle wink from, from Matt over here. There's that. Um, but yeah, like, can you, like, let's, let's talk more about that. Like Threshold and TBTC. What is Threshold Network sure. and what is TBTC? Because yeah. that's so, exactly that part of that conversation. Yeah, yeah. So, so Threshold, so historically, Threshold is the merger of two other crypto networks that started on Ethereum. And that was Keep a New Cycle. But what it really is, is a um, Threshold cryptography network that gives the underlying chains superpowers. Um, it does things like it allows you to uh, custody private information off-chain, but still write smart contracts about that private information. Um it lets you, I mean, if, if you're adaptive, uh, hit me up. It lets you do all sorts of fun things. But uh, what's most interesting uh, for this conversation is it lets you uh, custody ECDSA keys, which are the keys that we use for Bitcoin off-chain. And it turns out that um, because Bitcoin uh, is old and because it did not get any upgrades related to interoperability, um, that lets you build bridges. Uh, and not just custodial bridges, or rather, not just single-party custodial bridges, but like large groups of, of custodians. Uh, so the best equivalent, uh, like sort of analogy for what is threshold, uh, what is TBTC, is just to look at WBTC. Um, WBTC is uh, a product by BitGo. Uh, there's a trust company in the United States that holds a bunch of Bitcoin. And then they give out this receipt. That's an ERC-20 on Ethereum, and they're slowly, slowly trying to get it onto, onto other chains. Um, and uh, what TBTC does is something very similar. Um, but instead of a trust company, you have uh, currently around 300 nodes uh, that are all randomly chosen from to, uh, to custody Bitcoin for people. And then we use, um, and I won't get too nerdy here, but we use SPV proofs. So we make use of the fact that Bitcoin is proof of work to actually prove what's going on. Um, on the chains where people are making deposits. And so what you do is you say, okay, um, give me a wallet from, from one of these uh, like joint uh, custodial setups and um, I'm going to put in my Bitcoin there and I'm going to prove to you that I did that. <coughs> and then you give me the token, just TBTC. And then if you want to go back and redeem, um, the same thing happens uh, in reverse. You say, okay, here's my token. I, I want to get my Bitcoin <coughs> on chain. We confirm, okay, the token is actually burned, et cetera. And then, uh, and then all of these stakers in the threshold network come together to basically, I mean, they don't put the key back together. They, they, they use threshold ECDSA to then sign a transaction that sends you back the Bitcoin. So it's really an effort to decentralize uh, WBTC the best way we can. Uh, Bitcoin doesn't make it easy on us, though. Yeah. So I'm actually curious. So um, I'm more curious about, to, to dive in a little bit on the technical side, because like we are devs, we we're, we don't shy away from the technical on this podcast. Um, a lot of the times when these types of, I'll, I'll simplify them to cross-chain bridges. When these types of cross-chain bridges are built on different blockchains, they'll typically have a smart contractor program that's deployed. That program is what's controlling those tokens. Uh, but on Bitcoin, you can't put you like Bitcoin, you can't do smart contracts, you can't do programs on chain. So how does that portion So, so I'm, work? I shouldn't go into it too deep, but I just want to call out, you can't. This is a, a common oh. misconception. Okay, uh, then. There is a script. Tell me more. <laughs> yeah, so there's a programming language on, on Bitcoin, which we all just call script. 
I wish someone had given it a good name that we could brand because script is a very hard thing to Google for. Um, it's a stack-based <laughs> language. Uh, it's not super smart, but I mean, arguably, smart contracts is a shitty name anyway, right? Um, so, Agreed. I had so, a tweet yeah, this morning about yeah, this. Right? So, yeah. So, Bitcoin does have a scripting language. Um, it's stack-based. It's very simple. It can't do a lot. Um, people will do incredibly... They'll torture it and do all sorts of weird things. And we've done that a little bit with TQTC. That's why I bring it up. So, if you ever... Uh, if you want to look into, for, for people who are familiar with this stuff, BitVM is a recent... Um, is a recent effort, and it actually takes a recent upgrade to Bitcoin. And I know this is a shock too. Bitcoin was upgraded recently to add something called Taproot, um, and it and it goes and it takes this existing Bitcoin script, and it takes this uh, upgrade that includes Taproot, which allows you to basically have not just have smart contracts, but instead of putting them on chain, you just commit to their existence, and you don't expose what the code is, um, which is something that, as far as I know, I have not seen someone doing Solana or Ethereum. Uh, so that's different. Um, and it lets you do this stuff, but what doesn't it let you do? So it lets you do things like really, really, really fancy multisigs. And a lot of Bitcoin tech people would be like, oh, that's all the smart contracts are. Um, I think we all know that's not true. When you can when you can execute code between a large group of people that does more than unlock funds, um, that's where De- that's what DeFi is, right? That's what's interesting about it. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so so first, Bitcoin has smart contracts, but they're not that smart. Um, we do use them in TBTC. Second, how do we do this? Um, so what we basically do is when someone comes to deposit their Bitcoin, um, we create, uh, so this is something else that's funny, Bitcoin uses a different model than, than all the other chains we've talked about so far. Um, but I'm not going to go into it because it's too much. Uh, when, you, when you deposit Bitcoin, so normally like when you move money in our ecosystems, you're expecting that like you move it uh, from one account to another and maybe you push it to a smart contract or maybe the smart contract pulls. Um, you know, depending on approvals and, and how your token models work. Um, but in Bitcoin, the only way that money moves is uh, you have you have uh, some money and then there are unlock conditions. And if you produce um, what's necessary for those unlock conditions, the money can move. That's it. Um, so those unlock conditions, uh, there are a few basic ones like uh, did you did you sign this with a private key uh, that corresponds to a public key? And then there are others that use script. Um, so the way that, uh, what looks different about that is when people go to deposit money, instead of just depositing to like a known address that everyone uses, the address can be generated and that already has the logic in it. So how TBTC works is you go to deposit, we generate an address that says, um, you're depositing into TBTC. Here's the place where you want this money to go. Also, if for some reason anything goes wrong in nine months, you can just pull your money out. Uh, so that's the extra little bit that we added in the script. Um, and then this also makes sure that you don't confuse um, transactions between people and stuff like that. You don't want to think you're accepting money from someone that you're not. So that's the Bitcoin side. So the the address itself yeah. stores the information about where it's going, who it belongs yeah. to, that sort of and thing. It's, and it stores a hash of that. So it doesn't even... It doesn't even yeah. expose the code, but it, extor- it stores a hash, basically, of, of the other. Yeah, so that it's, it's provable. Yeah. That's that's really cool. Totally that's different smart. model, um, yeah. That, yeah, I mean, there's obviously a, another layer I'd love to dig into at, a, at yeah. another point in terms of, like, how <laughs> it's doing that. Like, what yeah, is the yeah, encryption yeah. there, that kind of thing. But um, I'll save that for another. Yeah, yeah. We always want to nerd out. <laughs> but, I mean, the, but the next step to, to answer your question about how TBTC works and actually makes uh, assets movable is, at that point, that script is still giving custody to another party. You have to give up custody to bridge Bitcoin. 
people are trying to get to two way two way bridges, uh, but I have not seen a single thing that will let you get what they what they call two way peg um, without a software Bitcoin. Um, but this gets you pretty close. So okay, now you can move over to custodian. So our ours are fifty one of a hundred, and over the next year we'll work on making that you know five hundred and one of a thousand. And what TBTC relies on is that um, those people were chosen randomly and that um, there's an honest majority powering this bridge. So that is a really big cryptographic assumption. You've said, we don't have economic assurance. We, we assume that half of stakers are honest. Now, actually, I've got some really good reasons to believe that. Um, but the, the very short version is if you want to convince yourself, um, you look at the hypergeometric distribution, which is like sort of a little bit of probability you need. And then you look at the number of docs addresses involved. Then you're like, oh shit, okay, yeah, actually, this makes a lot of sense. Um, to a pretty big scale. So that's the model we use. In the past, uh, we had a V1 that actually said, okay, every time, every time you deposit Bitcoin, all the stakers put down. Uh, in that case, it was ETH. But then it becomes incredibly capital inefficient, right? So now it's like, for every Bitcoin that goes in, you need 1.5 non-Bitcoin that's native to the chain. So like, there's a serious like limit on the amount that you can bridge. Um, and then in our particular case, we were competing with ETH2. So this was right when ETH2 launched and everyone was launching, uh, everyone was like staking. And so, you know, today, if we were to do that again, we would use, uh, you know, we would use Lido or, or one of these other assets. Um, but yeah, so so here we are. So so that's what, that's how TBTC works. Obviously, there's more to it, but um, it's open source and, and, and I'd welcome people. It's surprisingly easy code to read. Um, but then the next part for us is, how do we get, we're still working on this, how do we get a canonical, perfect experience on Solana? How do we get it on everywhere? Because I want Bitcoin to be ubiquitous. And um, and so that's the part where um, we are working initially with Wormhole. And what we've done is we ship native contracts um, to chains we support. And then we have native governance. So we have a council that's specific to the chain that's familiar with the chain. And then what they do is they um, they can allow or deny different bridges. So instead of like wrapped, 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 wrapped on your on your chain, um, the, the hope, and we're still working on this in the UX, the hope is that you'll be able to deposit Bitcoin and you'll immediately get it on Solana without, you don't need to know anything about any chain in the middle. Um, and so that's what we're building right now. And until then, it's a little bit more difficult to use uh, than I'd like. Okay. So what, um, I, okay, that actually- Super cool goes perfectly to my next point, which is like how, if, if someone's on Solana today, yeah. how do they participate in this? Do they have yeah. to, do they have to deposit, uh, the, the Bitcoin themselves or is there a way to sure. sort of purchase TBTC? Yeah. On, oh on no, Solana? no, you how, can absolutely. What's, what's the, what's kind yeah. of the entry point for, for folks? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, let's see, I think we're at, we're actually, liquidity is finally kind of bootstrapping. It took a little bit to get to know the Solana community and make sure this, the, the, the pump was primed. Um, but yeah, so you can go, uh, you know, to, to um, gosh, I was looking at a good bull like Jupiter or whatever, you know, sort of like cho choose your favorite decks. And we're starting to get pretty decent coverage. Um, and the thing that actually I've seen the most interested in on the Solana side is not a bunch of users who um, who just like want Bitcoin. It's DAOs who are interested in diversifying their treasuries. Um, and so that's what we focused on is, is helping people um, like Mango Dow just put in a proposal recently to... Um, to choose TBTC over some like bridged triple custodial WBTC or something like that, um, that they can feel confident in. And if they have any issues, they can just get back to Bitcoin. Um, 
So that's been the focus for now. Soon, I hope that we'll also have a dApp that makes it that makes you feel that good as an end user. It's just like you drop in your Bitcoin, you got it. But um, yeah, a lot of people don't hold Bitcoin anymore, and uh, and and they're more interested in buying than depositing. That's super cool. When people go back and forth between through the bridge, like how long does that take to settle? Like you said, ideally yeah, it yeah. goes really quickly, but wh- how long does it take to settle right now? Yeah. So let's see. Um, so depositing. Uh, lower than one Bitcoin, I think you get in like an hour and five minutes, maybe. And if it's above a Bitcoin, I think the longest it would take is maybe two and a half hours. Um, and uh, if, if you're interested why? in like, yeah, why yeah, is there a time difference? Well, here's why. <laughs> I think um, that was what you're going to yeah, say. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, um, just like the, because Bitcoin's good for work, what's the likelihood of the network rolling back the transaction? And then you don't uh, want okay, everyone yeah. who's using the peg to gotcha. get hurt. Yeah. So, so what we do is, um, we have an eight hour, like a slow, slow, slow lane where it's like, no matter what happens, you'll, your deposit will come out on the other side. But then we have a fast lane, which is a, you know, some trusted member of this group said, yes, this is good. And then we only trust that number over like a certain threshold. So that's the idea is that there's like the, the slow, the slow trust minimized version and the, uh, and the fast version as well. I like, okay. I like yeah, that, that's having cool. the multiple options. Optionality. I love it. Yeah, because Bitcoin's slow, y'all. People are not used to waiting. <laughs> you're there, you know, you're not, like, even waiting 10 minutes for a block, it's just, like, shocking when you're used to, like, 15 second or, or 2 second or, you know, whatever you're... More really than 400 milliseconds. Is, right? Yeah, yeah, no, I was, trying, I, was trying, no, I was trying not to brag on anyone in particular, but, yeah, virtually, <laughs> it's just a very different user experience, and it's shocking yeah. to have to ever wait 10 minutes again, so... I mean, it's like at, waiting for at, a wire at, transfer, at the, you know, the, you're going to wait yeah, 48 I, hours. Yeah, I was, I was about to say, like, Bitcoin's compared, better than that. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say compared to traditional finance, like that's totally fine. Also, if it, if it does, um, it, and again, like I don't actually know where, where the chips will end up falling, but if it does sort of end up that, that, uh, Bitcoin is still useful 20 years from now as sort of the digital gold equivalent or, or sort of high value assets, it's like, yeah, you would expect that to take a little bit more time. You're not, you're not transferring big chunks of your assets uh, instantaneously for no for no reason. Well, I sure hope so because otherwise, all that stuff I buried under my house is going to be for nothing. You know. So. <laughs> nice. Um, Classic. Well, this this is this is really awesome. It's in fact, it's yeah, this is great, Matt. Super awesome uh, that we can just jump on Jupiter Swap, for example, and and get TBDC. I just pulled that up as you were talking because I was like, yeah, let's let's check it out. Sure enough. There is liquidity in there. I can buy TBTC today, and if I'm being honest, I, I will. Uh, like, oh, absolutely, absolutely, hundred percent. Not sponsored. Um, no money changed hands. Well, not financial. Pills. I'm excited about this. Usual, Good. usual. You got lasers yeah, well, coming out of your eyes. You were thinking, <laughs> James, oh lasers. I hate oh, look, the laser the, thing. The, the the reality is, um, I think Solana is. It, 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 because of its speed and performance, I think it makes sense to be the chain where I where I do most of my trading. But not all of the assets I want are there, and sometimes they are. But to your point, they're like wrapped inside of wrapped inside of wrapped, and I don't actually know what I can and cannot trust. So what I'm going to do is go, you know, look into you look into threshold and and sort of read read some of that code there, and very likely, like very high percentage. Uh, Get pick up some TBTC. Yeah, no, no. Uh, Look, do that, your own you know, research. <laughs> just to be clear. Do, do your own research. Um, we we want the scrutiny um, because if we can't handle it, then we shouldn't. Like our, our product's not the right product for this. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, please do. Yeah, that's perfect. Well, love I, I I love I love the goal 
of, of threshold here. Like, I, I think that's awesome. I would love to, uh, talk to you sometime about what it would take to expand that even, even further beyond just Bitcoin. How do we do decentralized, uh, you know, assets maybe that aren't even crypto assets, right? Like how do we have some kind of decentralized custodial escrow system for bringing, stocks and, and bonds on chain, right? Totally. Like I, I really, I really think that all trading should be happening on, on Solana. I, I mean, I'll yeah. say in crypto generally, but on Solana, cause I'm a Solana no, no, no. Maxi over here. I'm, I'm down, down, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and so it's like, how do, how do we facilitate that? How do we make that happen? And I'm, I'm fascinated at, at figuring that out. So it sounds like you've done a lot of work in that space. So I'd love to continue the conversation at another time. That sounds good. Uh, thanks both of you for having me. This was uh, this was awesome. Is there any? Uh, we love to wrap by asking if there's something else you want to shill to to the people. Like if there's you know whatever whatever you want to get out there, question. make sure you say before question. we wrap. What a question! <laughs> yeah, um, look, y'all. Um, if you're interested in getting into some new assets on Solana, we'd love for you to check out TBTC. Um, but if you're just interested in like checking it out and understanding why, um, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, it's M H Luongo or um, I believe it's uh, chat.threshold.network. Hit us up on Discord. We're happy to take you through. Um, because, like, you know, just don't take our word for it. Do some research and, uh, yeah, be careful out there. It's a bear market. This is awesome. This is awesome. Awesome. Well, Matt, we'd love to have you on another time. I, I feel like I got through... 10% of what I wanted to chat about. So we're going to, we're going to have to do this yeah, again. I, I, um, I took it over. I got my question answered. <laughs> that's, all, that's all you wanted to know, Nick is why Bitcoin. <laughs> uh, Not well, all, awesome. but a uh, hefty portion. <laughs> well, uh, to the, to the listeners, thank you all for being here. We'll, uh, we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See ya.